0: We know of new methods of attack.
1: Greetings and welcome to a, I mean this is a very special installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. We are particularly hungover yeah. um, after a night of uh, drinking, drugs, and revelry. Uh, we were supposed to record <laughs> it last night. Yeah. Um, and then we got wind that, well, we just decided to go to the comedy cellar. And uh uh-huh. it was a well we did get win phenomenal there, were, there was a pretty yeah interesting we
2: we have the inside information here. Yeah, you know. Um,
1: yeah. As as you know. Um and it was great. Phenomenal evening. Damn, Kevin Hart showed up and did like a thirty minute. About set, a thirty maybe, minute. A set.
2: You know, most people that do stuff that's sort like ten minute kind yeah. of ten, fifteen minute stuff, and he absolutely Killed! Oh my, he God. really killed. i was never very, very funny. Never, <laughs> I don't watch
0: as much comedy as you do, one hand, But I've never seen anything fun in your life. I was really yes.
2: I was like hard to breathe. <laughs>
0: so the greatest thing about so Kevin good. Hart is he's one of
2: these guys that laughs on stage himself. Yeah, which yeah. makes it a lot funnier.
1: I've, I've never seen him do that though. Yeah, like, yeah. Though he's he's so he's so taken he by his own jokes. <laughs> um, it was just too. It was too good, and it certainly amped up the whole thing. So for as a special gift to all of you, what we'll do. Is just steal his material and yep. sprinkle it into this podcast. Yeah,
2: that's, so we were supposed to record it. last night. So I texted, you
1: know, my dick is yeah. so big. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not actually <laughs> what he said. Um, There's some,
2: <laughs> but um, yeah, we were supposed to record last night. Yes, oh my God, Nancy Rommelman's oh coming my in. God. Look at this; she's coffee? coming in with Should only coffee? do morning
1: recordings. Now. No, this is yeah. one. I love the gravelly voice, and yeah, two, yeah. Nancy Rommelman just walked in with a tray of coffee. I know, can you believe this? Creamer? Good I Lord. Cream. Do you have any Splenda? <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, is some Chobani stuff. And by oh the way, we're gosh. not fucking cutting this out. Not uh, at this all. Is this Sorry. is yeah, all staying. Yeah, no. I mean, I, for the family. I sound a bit like Tom Waits this morning and a little gravelly, but um, yeah. But yeah, so I texted these guys and had got wind that um, you know there's three clubs there. So last night it was like, oh, by the way, um, not on the bill because they don't list people. They have like fake names they put on the on the thing. And uh, it was uh, Kevin Hart. Uh, Dave Chappelle had been there the previous night, and he was probably going to stop by, but we were told uh, by uh, reliable sources that he was probably too hungover to come
0: back. Um, So we were sitting there at the table uh, last night because you sort of like uh, up there and talking, and uh, um, some of uh, Michael's old colleagues at uh, Vice – were there some grizzled war vets? And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I won't, I mean, it's
2: it's not like we were at a strip club, so I can say his name. is the great Ben Anderson.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Judy Gold strolls the by. Great, the great Judy Gold. And she's like, Moynihan, fuck you! <laughs> she's, that's like an opening.
2: <laughs> she's like seven feet tall, <laughs> and in such a, and like, she's like very, very left wing. And we, it doesn't make a difference we get along, but she's been in an interesting place now because she's uh, posting stuff on Instagram about Israel. In her account, I think is Judy J E W D Y gold, and so she's doing a lot of like Jewish stuff and talking about being Jewish. And Periel Ashenbrand, who's also a comic, um, is around their friends, and they've been put, doing stuff together. Um, also Jewish, and um, I think has a lot of family in Israel. So yeah, Judy, um, when I did a piece of, of, about comedy in college campuses. And Judy was one of the the people, which was deliberately chosen because she, of her politics, it wasn't like a Dave Rubin or one of these. I mean, I don't even think he's an actual comedian, Dave Rubin. I don't know. Yeah. But it was it wasn't that kind of thing, you know. And so she's a kind of lefty person, and um, <laughs> and so it was. There are a couple things about this piece that are pretty interesting. She told a joke that was so brutal that, first of all, the response from people internally was like, oh God, I don't, we can't do this. The second thing about this is that when I was in the crowd and so you have two cameras, right? One shooting her. And then you have, um, you know, cutaway shots to me and you know, it's me. And I I think it's in the piece like me laughing or whatever. The problem was, is that one of the cameras that's on me, the the B cam that's on me right over my shoulder is Amy Schumer right behind me and her and Judy are friends. And so, shooting, and Amy Schumer is laughing and stuff, and she does this joke that is so fucking brutal, and and you're warned here that uh, uh, Lefty <laughs> Judy is making both a fat and a rape joke, but you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was the press secretary at the time, and she says, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is so gross and so fat and disgusting. You know, she went to Larry Nassar with a back problem, and he was like, you know what, you're fine. Which is... <laughs> the, oh, God. the cutaway... Is the Amy Schumer laughing. And so the people internally, the lawyers were like, we need like time codes to see the two sync cameras to make sure that she's laughing at that. Because, and I'm like, we're not, we didn't fake that. It's like, yeah, but we need to see it because she's laughing at a joke. That was that time. It was, it was yeah. literally the subject of the piece was that about, you know, people getting in trouble for jokes. And Judy doesn't give a fuck. And she ended up writing a book and she'd go buy her book, um, which, um... I don't have a copy of she claims that I'm thanked in it, but uh, a book about, about, you know, the importance of free speech and comedy. It was around that era. There was a lot of it. So she's a a lovely person. I disagree with her on almost everything, but uh, um, we're going to have her on because she's fucking funny.
0: Can I tell her her joke from last night?
2: Oh God. Oh yeah. 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> so she goes, Gnome is in the middle of like talking to people about, cause Gnome saw the, um, the IDF yeah. video of all the horrible butchery from the GoPro cameras and from the stationary cameras and the kibbutzim and stuff. Um, and so he's having this very serious conversation. <laughs> Judy's trying to interrupt him. He's like, no, I got yeah. a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Got a joke. And the joke is. It
2: was, by the way, like Gilbert telling a joke. It's like one of those <laughs> Gilbert guys. Here's the joke. And just like
0: a very... She literally told it
1: three times in my hearing in the space of. And it was. Two uh, I'm and a sorry, half but minutes. it was funny every I time. I laughed harder yeah. every yeah. single yeah. time.
0: When you know what's coming, it's worse <laughs> and better. Uh, you guys would probably have the delivery better, but basically it's like, a, yeah, yeah, so uh, queers for Palestine. Here are <laughs> is my pronouns. Were was yeah Good God. like
2: queers and it was queers in Palestine <laughs> pronouns are <her> were was <laughs> that was very very funny so
0: yeah it was, it was a fun night it's it's funny that uh, this uh, uh, potential segwayable uh, thing like that was a different era it was sort of like 2020 or even before your special which everyone should go watch it's really great we'll put a link to it um uh it's like these sort of like whingy, uh comedy campus bookers, like trying to figure out how to like deal. The 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 thing
2: that you notice by the way, immediately. And I realized this after when you see them, um, there's three of them is that they're not, they don't, they're not comedy people. Uh, I mean, obviously they're on work on college campus, but you can tell immediately what they are.
0: They're theater people. Mm. Mm, Yeah. And that's a different jazz hands. Now they're all disinforced. And they're all like,
2: we're being funny. And it's like, no, (laughs) you're not,
0: that's not funny. Well, I had this, this um, like, uh, oh, wait a second. This is from a different era reaction yesterday with the link that I sent around to you guys. Um, the Washington Post uh, noisily withdrew a cartoon, a Michael oh, Ramirez yes, cartoon. Yes, Michael yes, Ramirez yes. has been cartooning for a thousand years. He's conservative. He used to work the LA Times forever. Um, uh, He's not my favorite cartoonist, to put it uh, mildly. Um, but he did a, a cartoon of, uh, I, th- I think it was the Hamas, uh, spokesman or Hamas president. Yeah. It was yeah. actually
2: a, a drawing. of him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, and I forget what label It's one of the things Ramirez does that, that pisses me off is like, he like labels everything. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah, not yeah, usually yeah. what you're supposed to do. Yeah. But anyways, he was sort of like, here's our peace process. And it was him with a bunch of babies strapped to him and stuff. It was rough. It was, but it was like, okay, that's. Yeah. It that's said that's Hamas name.
2: on him and their the babies are tied to him. Yeah. And it says something like, "Stop." stop killing civilians or something. And it's like he's tied, like babies are all tied to him, protecting him.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's making a totally normal point to make in the l- moment that we live in, which There's is There's
2: literally nothing offensive about
0: it. It's accurate, actually. Yeah. It's accurate. Yeah. But the Washington Post pulled the cartoon, pulled it, and then the uh, opinion editor, Dave Shipley, uh, wrote a letter of apology and it was a very struggle session. Pointed, pointed letter of apology. He should,
2: he should be fired as well though. Sorry, right, but he should be fired.
0: Uh, wh- where he was if I li- owned
2: that newspaper, I would fire him the next day.
0: Of that newspaper which is absolutely hemorrhaging money um like like uh, no other paper hemorrhaging jeff bezos's budget <laughs> yeah. i was gonna say
1: the owner is probably good for it yes
0: yes exactly. for better or worse yeah. uh, it's probably like a little trickle of blood not a hemorrhage <laughs> i wonder what he's gonna do with that asset I mean, he just
1: longer. bought in a new a new um boss over there yeah, well, yeah yeah right? Someone, yeah from, from, the, murdoch. Telegr- from the telegraph yeah
2: yeah uh yeah well n- not murdoch um I don't. Maybe he was at some point, but he was. Yeah, the I Daily think Telegraph. there was an affiliation at some point. A, yeah, he was a Daily Telegraph for a bit. Yeah.
0: But that that whole that struggle session sense the in the uh, in the letter was like I didn't realize it at first um, that it was a uh, that it had potentially racist Bullshit. connotations. Bullshit. And now I I, I you know I I'm, I'm now reflective about the error of my ways. I mean the yeah, whole yeah, yeah, sure. thing was like. At the heart of, you know, the summer of 2020, when all of the media lost its mind, it was like that all over again for a cartoon that was, there's nothing, nothing wrong
2: with it. Nothing wrong with it. And I want to ask you guys something. Have you ever, because this is never, I don't think this ever happened to me. And these are people in media, by the way. This is the guy who's the editor of the opinion section. Literally the opinion. Has anyone ever sat down with you, a group of people, and said, okay, you wrote this thing, you did this thing, you said this thing, you thought this thing, and it's wrong, and Hundred and eighty degrees is what is you know from this is what is actually true, and you've come out and be like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm totally. Right. I'm not. No one's ever done that. Yeah. I mean, it's like I realized that. No, you don't. No. Come. This is cultural revolution shit. Like I, I realize I was wrong. You're an opinion editor. You look at that. You know exactly what's happening. And it was the Washington Free Beacon, I guess, that published an internal email. Yeah. That suggested uh, that they pulled the cartoon not from reader pressure, but from staff pressure. Right. Which
0: is more terrifying. That's exactly right. Which yeah. is why that was the terror that he was reflecting. The, uh, yeah. the opinion editor is because yeah. there was an internal revolt and he wanted to keep his job. Um, no, you now, having just read uh, uh, the uh, Greg Lukianoff and Ricky Schlotz uh, book, and we had them on the podcast, and I uh, additionally interviewed Greg or uh, c C-SPAN book notes that's coming out uh, uh, today or tomorrow or something. Oh, that's great. Um, Yeah. That's going to be really good. But like that, that like sense that's that uh, confessions that you don't believe in because you're terrified of your job. And then you will eventually, when you get fired yourself, try to retroactively withdraw that confession, which is what uh, what's his face did Bennett uh, Bennett did at the New York times. Uh, It's it, it is so unseemly and strange. And it feels at this point in 2023 like pretty, uh, uh, like old school retrograde. It's yeah, from a different yeah, time. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, I mean, somebody wrote us an email and you he forwarded it and I don't, I, we didn't read it on the last one, but just so you know, by the way, if you send an email, it will be read. It doesn't, not necessarily talked about on the air, but we read it. <laughs> and somebody said, I, I, this is a couple we've got like this. It was like, I was brave and called
1: bullshit and I got fired. Got fired,
0: yeah. yeah. We've had quite a few. <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: yeah. And you know what? That's what
1: happens. Like, I mean, no I one he, said, and I might be getting fired and though, I, in that one, right? Really? Did he get fired?
0: Uh, um, he might it. have withdrawn his candidacy or something. Under was it a was
2: it a, was it a I political for,
0: thing? I, I forgot. I for, I for, I
2: uh, but it, yeah, it's like that is the consequence. It's like you wouldn't have to say brave if there were no consequences. Yeah, just that's just called bullshit. The be brave part says you there might be repercussions professionally for you if you are. Mm-hmm. So you do that, and you you get. Can't, and it, it's, as you pointed out, very much a throwback, that piece from the Washington Post, that letter, because I was like, oh, I thought we got over this.
0: But it's also a reminder that um at the heart of, uh, or one of the, the biggest mechanisms for the modern day censoriousness in media in particular yeah. has been where this overlaps... <laughs> With Islam, with terrorism, yeah, with yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. Muslims or whatever. Yeah. Um, and we that's. We forgot
2: about that for a long time. We
0: forgot about that. But I mean, all you have to do is think of oh, yeah, Charlie Hebdo, not just the massacre, but the uh, just awful letter signed by like 200 people who work for Penn yeah. um, saying that's that it's bad to give the few straggling survivors from Charlie Hebdo a free speech award because they're yeah,
2: the people out. who survived a massacre
0: yeah that's a that's a bad idea and uh and it's and it's there that we've seen this kind of craven cowardice and um and blatant double standard it's not even yeah, yeah, remotely yeah. Cro- uh, cl- close i mean i saw i think uh as recently as this week like another retrospective discussion i think it was in retro report about andre serrano's piss christ and of course it oh showed yeah, the, yeah the piss christ and and like, I don't care, that's fine. I remember that. That's a, that's a, an old school debate and there is no sense at all that like, which, you know, we should be mindful of Catholic sensibilities. There was Mick Jagger was on Saturday Night Live, um, uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago and did this entire, not very funny, but still pretty good. Cause Mick is always funny, um, skit in which they're at a convent and they're trying to figure out, um, who's been, um, uh, who's the, been impersonating A uh, a nun so that he could have sex with all the nuns, Um, and there's uh, one of the characters on it is a guy with a beard. So you think it's obviously him, but then later on the it it turns out to be Mick Jagger, and it's just like it is foul like nuns talking about getting fucked by Mick Jagger for like yeah, five minutes. Okay. that's fine. And like, I, I don't think anyone complained about it anywhere. No. And,
2: and think I mean, about it that for a half James, a second a It used muscles. to be like, James no. Donahue. What is that name, James Donahue? The Donahue that did the parents, you know, they always have yeah, yeah, yeah. names like parents, research, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it used to be at least... Um, um, 10, 20 people that are right. And I guarantee that was probably zero to that. But also, you know, the important thing that all of these things that have happened in the past, piss Christ, any mocking of uh, Catholicism, Christianity in general, uh, the church survived. The church is more prone to losing members from diddling of young boys than they are of jokes on SNL. But I told this a long time ago when this happened, but, you know, I'll tell it again for people who've maybe just started listening recently, but a long time ago... I pointed out that on Twitter, when I used to actively tweet, um, that the wire service, the photo wire service, the AP's photo wire service, AFP, I think, too, wouldn't put the cover of Charlie Hebdo on the wire service. You couldn't get it. And so, and they said that we would not. And there was not a depiction of Muhammad, by the way. They never said this, it was just a kind of Muslim guy. And a cartoon saying like, you know, and it was, it was great. Cause it was like, you know, you you're doing this in my name. It was kind of a piss. It was actually kind of a defensive Islam, if I remember correctly yeah. in a way. It was like, don't do things and pretend that it's in, in, in Muhammad's name or whatever. So I tweeted something about the fact that piss Christ, you could get on the wire service and they took it down. And I said, you guys are learning the wrong lesson oh, from this. God. <laughs> I'm not saying take, I'm saying, put the other one up. That's what I'm trying to point out here. And that was really stunning to me that that, that they, they actually took that down. But one other thing before we move on to, to other things in the news, we have a limited amount of time today Yeah, is, um, if somebody should do, and I'm sure somebody has done a, just a compilation because we forgot about Islamist terror. It just kind of became a background issue in a lot of ways. But if you collect all of the attacks in Europe even in the United States, you know, you have, you have San Bernardino, you have the one at the army base, you have, um, you know, Pulse nightclub, that guy was an Islamist too. There's a bunch here and there, right? But if you put them all together, particularly in Europe, there's a lot, it's a pretty high death toll when you, when you come to like, you I mean, Sweden, they happen, you know, England's, you know, Germany, et cetera. It's a lot less than it has been in the past. But I fear when people are saying globalize the Intifada and everything like that, that it might be, um just right around the corner again, particularly when people are saying all Muslims are under attack, uh, which I think is demonstrably not true. But, you know, when people are saying that it's like, okay, we need to, but the real crazy is in a time like this, you could see, I, mean, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I'm just saying you could imagine someone saying, we've got to take the fight to, to the, to the kuffar, you know, to the infidels. But, uh, one thing I, want, I sent to you guys this morning.
1: I mean, don't you want to qualify everything that you just said by acknowledging what the president of the United States has said, that white it? supremacy is the most dangerous terrorist threat to the nation? Uh,
2: yes, and also that was, a, that was Kareem year. Jean-Pierre and, was the <laughs> and the vice president, uh, whose, whose name I don't remember, uh, <laughs> just such a, <laughs> an, an inconsequential person.
0: Sam Newton. Uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah but whatever her name is. <laughs> I uh, said, uh, that, you know, Islamophobia is the thing that we have to look out for today. You have your computer up. Uh, tell me what this is because I sent you guys a text, mm. the release of NYPD, uh, hate yeah. crime statistics. Yeah. And now with all of the usual caveats about hate crime statistics, you can go yeah. back into our archive. We have a lot of caveats about this. Um, the numbers from last month.
1: Yeah, so, uh, October first to October thirty first.
2: Yeah, this is last month in New York. Yeah, from the NYPD in New York City, and um, the the okay, I can at can <laughs> it's on Matt's phone. Um, I wa- the one thing I want to say first is that we have stopped Asian hate. Yes, because uh, the number of reported anti Asian hate crimes in the last month zero. Yes, anti black four. In the previous year, by the way, at, in this month, previous year was one.
1: Incredible with the white supremacy. Yeah, but that four is a 300% increase. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so this is epidemic proportions. Yeah, 300% from one to four. Yeah.
2: Um, uh, Muslim, eight. Hispanic, zero. Jewish, 69. <laughs> Good God. Mm. Man, the Jews are running the tables again.
1: Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. A nice round well, number there. So um, yeah two hundred and fourteen percent increase yeah so right. you know it's just it, not, yeah. not as bad as what's happening to black
0: people no it's
2: just it, the only in thing it city. means is that anti-Semitism is very consistent <laughs> yes.
0: yeah. and I'm the idea that uh, I, I understand that if you are uh, brown or like observably Muslim in appearance or something um, right now uh, and just if you have a, a, a connection to and broad sympathy for the Palestinian cause, that you're bummed out right now and that you might feel some trepidation in in, uh, in public circumstances. Um, that's normal and those feelings are real. Um, but the idea that you're not allowed to say anything, um, uh, expressing that is just belied by that. There's protests every damn day, including like outside of the Museum of Tolerance, yes, uh, in in California and Los Angeles, um, where they're having a showing of the Hamas massacres. Like, let's show. We're so scared about um, uh, expressing ourselves in public that we're going to go where the Jews are. And at a place called the museum of tolerance, tolerance and getting fights and get in fights to start a <laughs> ruckus. Um, it seems like that there isn't uh, a lot of, but, but, shoot, but there I is mean, a hell
1: of a lot of masking that is going on at yeah, those yeah, demonstrations, yeah, 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 which yeah. is, which is pretty bizarre to see. It is already the case that the surgical mask, has become a, a, a kind of political symbol of yeah. sorts. Well, our, it was before. Too. It <laughs> was before this, but it but it has been for a little while. And it's it's the weirdest thing when I'm in the Bay Area and I'm walking like out of a grocery store and some random person like comes out wearing a mask. Like I always wonder to myself. Like I know that I think you're like a little bit crazy. Yeah. But do you think I'm slightly crazy for just walking around like a normal person without covering my face? with a piece of cloth. In yeah,
2: I'm sure that mentally ill people The pestilence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, um, they're very polite to me, despite the, the, the fact that they I mean, not. you know that they're wearing masks so they don't get quote-unquote doxxed, but that is this. this the, the protesters. Yeah, this, and, and this the is Safeway stealing the ridiculous thing that like no one is going to get fired. I'm sorry, there are outlier cases. There are cases where people have gotten fired, punished for having views that I think are stupid and kind of crazy but should not result in that sort of punishment. But they're outlier liar things. There's, you know, a couple hundred thousand people in in Brooklyn. I mean, no one's doing face recognition to see if people on their staff went to this protest. If you go, and by the way, going to a protest called Brooklyn Flood, which is named after the the fucking terrorist attack, al yeah. Flood. I mean, that's already, for me, a red flag. You shouldn't, I mean, pay attention. And these people, their defense is always like, oh, I wasn't paying attention oh, I don't know what from the river to the sea means. I don't know anything. Then fucking stay home. Okay, how about that? Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, and the, the the thing about the Museum of Tolerance, yeah. which I thought was funny. I mean, Museum of Fights in front of the Museum of Tolerance is just kind of it's by, it, by its nature kind of funny. But there was Boots Riley who is one of the dumbest? He's so colossally, amazingly stupid, and he's yeah. a self-identified communist.
1: He's a filmmaker, hip hop, hip hop uh, artist. Yeah, he, what was the name he of the was movie the that coup. he did? He was in the coup. Um, and he had one movie was I forget what the movie
2: was, called called it, it, it was. Um, which wasn't terrible. Um, which had the um line in it. how now, brown cow, I'm down with the Mao Mao. Oh, I'll never forget that line. <laughs> That's pretty good. Because before I knew about the Mao Mao Rebellion, and I thought he was talking about Mao in China, yeah. which, you know, either way.
1: I think my favorite mutiny is probably their 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 uh, their biggest song. The, the Oh, the, the like, coup. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're not terrible, but he's an idiot. Yeah. So he posts something, because, you know, he made a film a couple of years ago that was like, you know, the kind of darling of festivals kind of film. he never made a film before and people liked it. Um, And he said to my friends in Hollywood, something to this effect, I'm, you know, paraphrasing, you know, don't go to this thing that Gal, cause Gal Gadot was, or Gal Gadot was uh, hosting this thing at the Museum of Tolentance to show this footage.
0: Reportedly, she uh, wasn't actually there.
2: uh, She wasn't actually there, but that reportedly. And um, he said, don't, this is IDF propaganda. To which no one responded. It was IDF propaganda shot by Hamas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're the ones that filmed it and it's IDF propaganda it's like okay when footage of people committing unspeakable crimes against civilians and children and somehow during this conversation I got to a statement I hadn't seen because so much of this shit and we're gonna maybe have Shadi Hamid on to talk about some of this stuff because he's been saying you know it's tough to be a Muslim it's tough to be be Arab-American, whatever, in this climate, and people accuse you all of being pro-Hamas. I'm not sure about that, um, so we'll have him on to talk about it. But I went back, and there was so much. It was like a fire hose of craziness in the days following October 7th. And the two important things to remember was that people were, st- were saying Israel's committing genocide before the ground operation started.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, before,
2: yeah, b- b- Barely before the air operation started. It was anticipatory uh, genocide. And I saw this statement, I came across this statement from the Georgetown Law School. Yeah. Uh, and it is explicit. It says in it that civilians, there's no difference between civilians and combatants. It says it, the law school statement. And I was like, how the fuck did I miss this one? Is there, there was Because there was so much of it. And it's like, okay, well, if you don't, Nobody wants to get lumped in with these people, obviously, not nobody, a lot of people do. But there was, let's not forget, there was a lot of stuff like this. Um, That was on the extreme end, for sure.
0: And let's uh, also, I mean, at some point it feels like, okay, we're just sort of like uh, nut picking in academia. Georgetown Law, like Columbia um, (laughs) uh, School for International Public Affairs... Um, this is where your state department comes from. This is, this is, there's like a handful of schools. Yes. Harvard and Yale are part of that too.
2: It's not a guy who works at White Castle.
0: Um, yeah, no, that this, these are training your future diplomats, uh, your government toadies and whatever. It is a handful of schools that, that are feeder into the Borg. And that is one of them. And that's the level of thinking. That's really, you know, this is why this whole thing is a margin call. This is like, oh, so how has everybody been doing over here in these places, these corners of intellectual life that I don't uh, normally pay attention to? And it turns out they've been doing really, really bad. Um, it seems like uh, if this is your uh, snap reaction, although in fairness, in many places, including Colombia, and we've talked about this before, um, there will be a response letter from various academics that, uh, that outnumber the initial yeah. idiocy. So there's some uh, mild hope, I guess. Well, I think we should probably talk
1: about some some other things. Um, yeah, and yeah. it's it's been an interesting week in that there were some fairly consequential and important um, uh, races that were settled on Tuesday. Sure, yeah. um, some interesting uh, insights that might be gathered there. There was another presidential debate. <coughs> While viewership has fallen off, like these, what, are the do, do we have an idea what the viewership against.
0: was? Uh, I
1: don't. Yeah, it was a drop exactly, off. From it was the a
0: substantial drop off. From uh, the previous ones. Uh, it was like seven, eight million something. The yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well,
2: if you listen to Vivek, you hear what he said. No. What like, this would do? have millions of uh, viewers. If we got rid of you NBC uh, people and had Joe Rogan and Elon Musk host. Oh. <laughs> Subtle. His subtlety is his middle name. Pandering, fucking idiot. So <laughs> I'm not sure. you for coming
1: on the podcast. I'm not sure but... if that's actually true. It's not true. Um, it, and it's just because television is different now and the clips would do hella numbers. But I mean, I can imagine some other constellations that would similarly do really, really well. But importantly, the people who are running to, to lose to Donald Trump <laughs> yeah, um, here exactly. on this stage, and I don't actually know that that's true, but at the moment it certainly looks true. Um, I turned it on gathered... and I was like, no Doug Burgum? <laughs> turned <laughs> yeah. it off, went to we're, the bar. We're all gathered to have a debate. Um, you had... Uh, Christy, Ron, Christy, Nikki, Vivek. You can do it. Who else? Who was the last person who was there? Was it? Wow. You fucking racist. Oh, Tim. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uncle Tim. Yeah. I I kid. Yeah. Wow. Um, Believable on on the stage. Um, Erasure. I I I know you watched most of it. Welch went ahead. It sounds like you watched some of it. I watched all of it. I, I, no, oh, I you watched, watched all of it. it. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, you yeah. watched I, all of it. I, I, oh, had, I it. had to Man, do Megyn Kelly's show, and,
2: and, like, and I was like, I I guess I should watch it. So yeah, I
1: like, and I I checked I checked place. out the highlights. I didn't watch. I was in the air actually when the debate was happening. Um, but but what were the key takeaways from your standpoint? Apart from the what the three inch heels joke, which uh, has been um described as misogynistic despite the fact that it everyone, was everyone aff- everyone should play, shut the actually fuck up. primarily aimed at Ron Santos.
2: Nikki Haley I mean look it, 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 I don't like this idea that you always have to at the end of a debate say well, who won. Yeah. Different people won for different people. Yeah. Um uh, the consensus is always or has been past couple of debates that Nikki Haley's done very well. Nikki Haley did do well, but what ruined it for me for Nikki Haley was after that comment, mm-hmm. she got a chance to respond. And she said two things that made no sense. Yeah. And I was like, and the crowd, it shows you that the crowd doesn't even care. They, care. they clap for it. They're like, yeah. And it's like, yeah. she was like, those heels
1: are ammunition. Yeah. They're six inches and I have to be able to run in them. Yeah. And and I, I don't know what that means. Like running away ammunition. from crowds. I don't Yeah. And she's like, in those I think heels- she meant to say that they're, they're like a weapon.
2: Yeah, they're ammunition. They're, active. they're active heels. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, what the fuck is she talking about? People are like sense.
1: cheering. She's
0: Iraqi. She's going to throw yeah. it at somebody's head. I think at some <laughs> point
1: she also <laughs> said in, in response Bush. to Vivek, there was a moment where she, she was talking on TikTok, and she said something like, keep my daughter's name out, out of, of your, your
2: voice. voice. And she meant, yeah, everyone yes. was stumbling. And, and she, at the end of that, the only <laughs> natural response in the whole debate from anyone, because it's so fucking canned, all these yes. people. And by the way, nobody wants to hear it. Nobody will say it. Nobody says it on cable. Nobody says it. You know, among in the right wing uh, sort of media sphere, Chris Christie's good at it. By the way, when he's not when he's not on script, mm-hmm. he's he's a very fluid politician, mm-hmm. and he's very bright, and he's good on his feet. Like Vivek is like y- you see when he's like I've got to do the line about this, and he's like <laughs> Elon, and you know he the first question they're like Lester Holt is like, uh, so what do you think about I don't know like inflation, and he's like you know what the problem is is like the media. And it's you guys at NBC who lied about the Russia host. And it was like, yeah. And it's like, oh, for God fucking sake, this is the most pandering, stupid. And as I said on Megyn Kelly show is that it's a bunch of people with the exception of Christy. And I mean, well, it's not I just look, look, it's Vivek doing a bad Trump impression. And he's like the media and like Elon. He's just hitting all these fucking points in being unbelievably annoying about it. But it's like, what does it all matter? They're all going to lose anyway. It's the race for second place. No one at this point the attacks on Trump, I mean, take away Tim Scott. Mm-hmm. Then you're left with Vivek basically, who could have a future in a Trump administration, who said many times that he doesn't want that. Mm-hmm. And says this, that he's not running for VP or running for a place in a cabinet or running for some other position. So if he says that, maybe he'll go back on it. Cause he's full of shit on a lot of things. But otherwise, I don't even know why we're watching this because it has gone to the same Republican talking points that Trump brought us out of. Mm -hmm. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. I'm not making judgment. Iran comes up. We got to hit Iran. Tim Scott says it's like we have to like bomb Iran. We have to like effectively go in there and then you know whoever the next person is it's like we have to go in and make sure that if are not a hair on an american soldier's head cuz you know iranian backed militias have attacked american uh-huh. bases on, on bases yeah, yeah with, in with in syria and, and iraq and yeah. stuff and it's just like we have to take him out at the source and i'm like wow this is okay so we're bo- we're we're boomeranging back yeah. to where how republican rhetoric was and again i'm not making a judgment about this I think it would be disastrous if, to attack Iran right now. <laughs> it sounds but like a judgment. it sounds like a bad <laughs> bad idea, but just in general, like just observationally, it's like, "Oh, we are to this place." I didn't hear a lot of people talking about the working class, um which, mm-hmm. you know, Trump did a lot of um always, and even when it was in a coded way and not like the work saying the working class. He's like, "You know, you people, the good people, and then the elites." A couple of elites things from Vivek, but Vivek is um it, it, it just, I think at this point, a total embarrassment. I mean, I think he was a complete fool and made a fool of himself. Mm. So that's just me.
0: Um, and most importantly, I think Nikki looked the best. I think she the white dress was really nice. Yeah, it was good. She did call
2: him scum. That was like the most honest moment. She hates him so much. She hates, she you could tell. I just, she said, like, she In la- leaned into the mic. Yeah. She was like, you're scum. <laughs> yeah. Jeez.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean. And and what the that last one where she, too, she told him he um he ever, listening to him made her feel stupider yeah uh, yeah yeah which, i mean yeah. that actually was felt pretty natural as yeah. well yeah
2: but you know he got booed
1: yeah because he mentioned her her daughter daughter yeah, using it, it was TikTok. just a really stupid, a stupid point stupid line
2: he's like she's on tiktok yeah. It's like, yeah
1: but she's also an adult like I, who cares i do think it's interesting that the the Washington Post story about the debate, the title of it was the most memorable lines from the third Republican presidential debate. And the very first one is, I wear heels. They're not for fashion statement. They're for ammunition. Again, it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. It's just, how does this relate to the lives of American people? What does this suggest about the Republican Party's affirmative vision for America? And could this debate... And the degree to which this is about this kind of brinksmanship against this gamesmanship amongst the different players them them kind of berating each other, doing their best trumpet impressions, using these like heavily focused grouped attacks against each other, like is this indicative of whatever the hell the Republicans are doing nationally that is making it? less likely that they're going to beat their democratic rivals in certain circumstances. I I sent a link to you guys about a a school board um, race in, I think it was in Pennsylvania where there were like five seats that were up for grabs that had been previously occupied by conservatives who seem to have, you know, been able to seize control of the school board in the wake of a lot of uh, like woke excesses. They get control and they start to try to implement their own curriculum. Yes. And then they get swept out of power. Yeah. Um,
2: and by and, the way, I did mention to you guys the other night that that was, um, as much as I can't stand Vivek, you know, on Megan's show, she said, you know, what was the best mm-hmm. line or moment? And I gave it to Vivek when he's he said, you know, we're as conservatives, I don't know how he framed it. He said, you know, conservatives, are we shouldn't be doing the same thing yeah. that we've been chastising liberals for by like, you know, banning things on campus like the students for justice will always give him credit for that is and so he, yeah. he got credit for that but yeah but sorry the um
0: uh i watched it in a really weird um and and uh jarring mm, personal right. circumstance so i had there's two <laughs> events in that and that night well one was a, a great reasoned event featuring our our dear friend coleman hughes so Nick Gillespie interviewing coleman hughes at a really sweet apartment <laughs> by a fifth column listener um, <laughs> uh, there, and I asked Phil Coleman to get me an
2: apartment last, but it was a paid episode. But, um, <laughs> yeah. And by the way, the one person who, who did send me an email, I thank you so much. It's a one bedroom. I need two. so continue.
0: It's going to need two bedrooms. Uh, uh, yeah, you need to uh, yeah. check out our, our friend's uh, apartment here. But, uh, anyways, it was uh, incredible events. the best I've ever seen Coleman. It's just really wonderful uh, interesting. They went there on a lot of uh, Israel stuff and talked about uh, Coleman's Ted adventures and other things. But it was a really like jazzed event filled with a lot of our friends and a lot of listeners and good people. um Everyone was sort of uh, uh, psyched up. And then um at the uh, invitation of our Israeli friend Adam, uh, I went over to uh, the Dispatch mm-hmm. party. The Dispatch, sort of the never Trump. Uh, uh kind of a conservative journalistic outlet
2: uh, kind of put together from the from the wreckage of the weekly standard
0: yeah mm-hmm. uh yeah Steve Hayes and Steve Jonas Hayes and Jones. Jonah Goldberg were uh, basically mm-hmm. there at a bar in midtown uh in a basement with a big screen there kind of watching and they're sitting uh and um and watching this and I uh it, it's Steve and Jonah uh, uh, I know them both it was wonderful to see Steve it's been a really long time mm. um and the entire crowd of people looking at the big screen I've never seen so many people in uh, watching a televised event so slumped, mm-hmm. so just absolutely drained of any enthusiasm of life. Um, and I don't think I'm I'm being disrespectful when I when I say this. And I, I'm happy that they invited me to go there, but it, it also speaks to just what a horrible position that if you are a Republican and you just can't think about being a Democrat, or usually uh, or thinking about even voting for a Democrat, and you live in a Republican party that's just dominated by Donald Trump mm-hmm. yeah. where all of the yeah. cues are dictated yeah. by Donald Trump um, their uh, response uh, there um, was they kind of like try to get some crowd enthusiasm so like what do you think of Tim Scott silence uh, <laughs> what do you think of they went down through uh, everybody Maybe seems I'll, like a nice guy maybe that's I, about I, it. <laughs> one or two claps for Christy what do you think about Nikki Haley yeah so, uh, yeah, uh yeah. and then what do you think about Vivek? <gasps> Boo! Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it, uh. I mean, keeping in mind, as I just said, that
2: this is formed from the wreckage of the weekly standard and Vivek last week encouraged people to sign the no neocon pledge. Yeah. So, yeah. That would probably explain some of those poos.
0: Um, but uh, they're just lost in the wilderness and Steve, uh, Hayes, you know, like he just, um, these are guys who for the bulk of their careers had a team. And they really don't anymore. Yeah, yeah, sure. And like, for those of us who have never really had a team, um, you know, you feel uh, outnumbered at all times. Um, mm-hmm. And occasionally you might have your own sense of of uh, despair or, you know, just like, oh, you know, we're going to lose again, whatever issue that we care about. Yeah. But you don't have that sudden sense of like, I, my tether has been cut mm-hmm. and I'm floating around and it's just a bad place. But it's also a place that reflects a reality that you didn't see in the debate. Sure. The reality is that they, don't want to talk about Donald Trump. They don't want to talk about January 6th. He didn't get a lot of attention during the debate. You have to, there was fucking a, got 50% like of the vote. Well, I mean, Christie's entire, yeah. but
2: his entire purpose yeah. for running was that he could confront him on stage. And I'm sure he had like a team that was like, this is, if he says this, we'll do this. And he'd like war game, the guy just doesn't show up. It's like, fuck, that's a huge thing. But like, it reminds me when I see guys like Steve and Jonah and, and people like that who have a, had a team. It kind of reminds me, have you ever been to a city with somebody who once lived in that city Mm. and hasn't been back in fifty years? Mm. And once in a while they see a store that's still there. And that's like kind of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, and that's when you hear Nikki Haley say something that's like, we strong this, strong that. Now, previously I said it seemed like it was back to the old Republican stuff in the sense, but but it was it it wasn't very convincing. Mm -hmm. But without Trump there, because he guides the debate and the thing is, you don't feel like you have a team because if Donald Trump was there, they would be following his lead. If it was like, well, no, no, I wouldn't go. No foreign wars for me either. Like, I, I think there'd be like one person, like Nikki Haley or Chris Christie, who's trying to be the anti Donald Trump. You can
0: see it, and this is would be true even if Trump wasn't uh,
2: had hadn't showed up. But this Desantis on, on 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 Ukraine, by the way, is a good example. of that. go ahead, sorry.
0: Uh, yes, um, but anytime they ask a question that has. The words fentanyl and border somewhere near it. Yeah, they're like, you <laughs> bo- like bomb Mexicans. You can see them going like a uh, must respond in way that connects to unhinged Republican base and reflects nothing of like actual policy reality of how you might fix this. Yeah. Um like you could see it on the it is it is such a dispiriting exercise yeah. to watch otherwise smart people um ish. People uh, like try to do this, and this. Can is- I
2: ask you a question. Matt. Yeah. You've gone back and read, like y- you said a while ago, that you were going back and reading
1: State of the Union addresses and things. Oh yeah, like that. I have so a, you have, you have open a pretty file good, on my computer. You have a pretty
2: me. good knowledge of this stuff. Question is, and it's I think really, I know really
1: the great time capsule. Like what the, 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 the State of the oh, Union? For they sure. are. They are it's a remarkable. Yeah, time it's capsule. a
2: crystallization of one previous year of politics. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But the question is, and I, I know this myself in some ways. I'm interested to in what you think about it. Is that when you see? People out there who understand if there's a border issue and it's president, say, DeSantis, Mm -hmm. he has to kind of get Congress on side. He has to get people in like, you know, uh, Border Patrol on side. He has to get the governor of Texas on side. It's just a very complicated thing. And it has to be a policy that's smart and effective. Right. Whereas, as you point out here, you're like, let's bomb the Sinaloa, and everyone's like, fuck yeah, <laughs> motherfucking guys. It's like, and it, it's like, you know, people jumping out of Cessnas with like handguns, shooting Mexicans oh who are like, gosh. literally, like, like making tortillas on the street or something, like, <laughs> let's kill them all. Whereas, so is you know, and that's everybody, right? And I get the fact that it's compacted you're trying to make an impact very quickly and try to get Mm -hmm. people on your side and try to like wow them. It's a Republican primary. But it strikes me that, and I don't want to be wistful for a time that never existed. This is why I asked this question. Mm. It, It seems like it was much more policy oriented when I go back to certain debates in the past. I can think of a few. And yes. Not less like like just make everybody excited and be on your side for a totally impractical thing that would make people excited, but would never actually solve. Which
1: them. is a very different. I mean, the claim you're making is very different than assertions that there's less decorum now. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure, for sure. Are for willing sure. to like push buttons? Yeah, like yeah. fundamentally, was there less policy? Is there less policy being
0: discussed, uh, debated? Yes. um in in politics and now? and uh, a much less policy uh, reflected in state of union addresses. About, yeah. Holy cow! Um, And also in in, uh, political party platforms, it's kind of, uh, I mean, the the Republican Party didn't have one last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. They control V'd it from the 2016 election. Uh, Yeah, there's much less policy. And um, I mean, people, uh, there's a Reagan-sized hole in uh, Republican politics and arguably in American politics because um, he did talk about policy or there's a policy referent to his rhetoric that was all about connecting emotionally. Like he did that better than, um, probably any politician of our lifetime, I would say. And he
2: understood policy very well. Um, when you see, there's a, a academic at the Hoover Institution at Stanford named Kieran Skinner, who put together it was called Reagan in his own hand or something like that. Yeah. Cause he wrote all of his radios because he used to give these things like on AM radio that were like little editorials and he wrote them himself and he wrote them out and like, you're like, well of course he wrote them like, no, no no, politicians don't write anything. And he wrote them himself and he was very, very um, clever and, and smart about policy. And, and I don't get that sense that even privately mm-hmm. um, many people that are running Vivek seems like somebody who just, who is very good at consuming information. Um, how he kind of parses the information is that I'm totally missed. I mean, the
0: way that he portrays foreign policy is such a fantasy land of like it's totally he has no, he he has, has zero, zero like actual tangible experience. It's no, just it's like not. magic wandism. Yeah, I'll yeah. sit them down. And I will say you can have Crimea, and then as long as you do this, and then this, and that, like no one has ever done anything like any of what you're talking about. Yeah, Um, and it's (laughs) not not, not successfully. uh, I mean, you you just there isn't a magic wand that has that much power. It doesn't matter like what your desires are. It's just the functions.
2: Yeah, when your when your foreign policy is that I'll go somewhere and give away bits of a country that's not my own, is probably not (laughs) foreign policy. But the Reagan thing is interesting because there was, I think, I would say around 2000. Five, six, seven, um, there was a glut of Reagan books. Steve Hayward yeah. had this
0: two-volume big set. The left was, was and Obama very much was like, uh, he was patterning himself after Reagan. Sure. He aspired to be the yeah. Democratic Reagan.
2: And that is a really interesting uh, point because Reagan stopped uh, all these books that come out that are really interesting. Like Lou Cannon's one, The Role of a Lifetime, which is very, very good. Um, the you know the letters Reagan letters, of course. Uh, what's his name who wrote the the Teddy Roosevelt book? The the British guy who died, who did it like in the fantasy way? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was terrible, terrible. really bad. But um, they it was like there were smart books about Reagan. There were reassessments of uh, John Patrick Diggins, Duggins, what that guy yeah. did a really good one too. Um, like assessments of his policy, and it's a complicated record in a lot of ways. But there was a moment there where young people were coming. Up in, you know, college Republican organizations or YAF or things like that. And it was Reagan. And people got so crazy about this that I remember the columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer, Will Bunch, the left-wing guy. He's awful. Was, was like, oh, they did all these anti-Reagan books of like the the myth of Reagan, because everyone was deifying him. Recently I came across an old interview with Steve Bannon. Bannon made a documentary about Reagan kind of winning the Cold War based on Peter Schweitzer's book called Reagan in Word and Deed or something like that. And it was just this, like, Reagan, you know, like, bring it to the Soviets kind of thing. And this interview, he said, you know, Reagan was my guy. And Reagan, he's the least Reaganite person in every single possible way. Now has yeah. he changed his mind? Like, you know, anti-indivision foreign policy, like doesn't like free markets, all the kind of stuff. That...
0: Basing politics on anti-immigration sentiment when Reagan Reagan's, was not that way. Go read um uh, Reagan's initial speech at the initial CPAC. Yeah. It is amazing. Conservative yeah. political action conference. It was like 1973 ish, four-ish, um inaugural conference. In it he tells this incredible story um, of a, uh, how the U S went and almost went to war with Austria, Hungary, um, uh, because there was a guy who had pled, uh, that he wanted to become an American. He was an aspirational American and maybe he had, had sort of a, a visa, but he wasn't fully a citizen yet. Um, but that he was taken captive on a, on an Austrian ship and the United States is like, no, that's one of ours we're getting him. And so he's, tells this story that he's white tells his story by was, the way he was Hungarian so yeah. you know
2: as Donald Trump said we don't we want immigrants but not from shithole countries we want them from like Norway uh, <laughs> which is by the way like I have to it was like the most racist thing he's ever said he like literally picked Norway yeah you could have picked so many countries like what is the whitest tall? country tall
1: white nice skin
0: <laughs>
2: <It's>
1: like, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm laughing but I don't agree with the assessment You're well famous. I mean it,
2: when you say Norway <laughs>
0: I, I mean I, is it because it's the most efficient government in the world yeah he doesn't know. know anything. Yeah, he doesn't know anything. True. <laughs> uh but anyways, he was all at this this sort of the sense of aspirational um that um uh you know, people overuse this uh, shining city on the hill um which yeah, he yeah. debuted in that that he inaugurated in that speech, but And that's uh, a John
2: Winthrop uh quote, right? Isn't that right. Where from he from?
0: Um but I'm that but a- is yeah. the opposite of that and and yeah. always has been um and uh and I always I thought that that would be an interesting moment at the Reagan Library debate. With Vivek, because Vivek, and there was actually uh, the Free Press, uh, uh, Barry did a pretty good little uh, post-Reagan Library debate interview with Vivek, just like 10 minutes, um, where she kind of asked him to square the circle of his um, professed affinity for Reagan and that uh, – and like his feeling about industrial policy and yeah. and uh, unions and things like that. And he his answer there was interesting. That's a Vivek that I, I would be kind of uh, more interested to see than the, the clown show it, that comes up. I actually, well, I actually think he
1: is – he has the potential to be a far better candidate than the guy that is currently in the primaries. In my private conversations with him before he launched his um, campaign – like he always impressed me by being a fairly nuanced thinker. He is undeniably Oh, for smart. sure. he The past and stuff
2: has been very nuanced. I, yeah. I just think that there is
1: a lot there that, unfortunately, for anyone who is inclined to listen to a podcast like this, for example, might be looking for that they're not seeing. You don't see it because this is the primary, and this is the way many people would run a primary race. Like yeah, just, just lurching Post-Trump. to the right. Yeah, lurching Post-Trump. to the right. And, and not even, and to not the right the doesn't right. explain anything. No, towards it's, Trump. It's, lurching towards like yeah. the, Trump, the Trump MAGA. Yeah. I mean, um,
0: Lukyanov uh, has as one of his sort of, uh, he has you know the, the perfect re- rhetorical fortress, mm-hmm. as he puts it, of, about the left, but the efficient right. rhetorical fortress yeah. on the right. Great analogy. Um, and the efficient one is the most interesting one to me because it totally um, uh, covers Vivek as a candidate uh, Trump, uh, RFK, and his fanship too. Uh-huh. Which just to say, um, be anti-establishment. The you know journalists say X, so negative X is what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know academics say X. Whatever authority figure you've decided is no longer relevant. Um, that's it. You can just say everything opposite to them, um, or you can say that we why why should we ever listen to Nikki Haley? She was. Uh, the uh, ambassador of the United Nations. Let's wipe her off of the table. Um, and it's and a, listen
2: to a thirty-eight-year-old who has no experience.
0: Yeah, uh, or listen to a podcaster uh, with a beanie. Like, like there's a there is an attraction of that, and it's it is such bad way of of processing information. As is the the left version of it too, which is like systematically um, removing people from being, uh, allowed, uh, from being, uh, platformed because you have some sin, uh, mm-hmm. you're a self-hating, you know, something or other you are <laughs> yeah. my God, uh, and, uh, just self-hating in a non-ethnic way, yeah. <laughs> um, just generally self-hating, <laughs> but that, that is such an easy little trap. And you saw that in the little kind of, uh, um, uh, bloom uh, initial bloom of RFK candidacy, who by the way is still polling at fifteen percent nationally. Yeah, 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 yeah. In a three way race, the
2: media stopped talking about him, but people who want to vote for him have not mm-hmm. stopped caring about
0: him. Uh, it's really interesting, and and I think that we're if anything we're underrating how much third party sentiment or like uh, other candidate sentiment there is out there, or it's uh, just like the people who would ordinarily vote for a
1: Democratic candidate and who are completely unimpressed with Biden or unsure whether or not he'll actually make it. To the, to the, uh, election. Uh, by the, I, I, by the if, way, if one, there were a different democratic candidate, I have 100% to believe that RFK's 100%. poll numbers would plummet like a stone. But yes. Maybe not. It, it,
0: no, they depend on that. Although I think he does take some of, uh, uh, sort of, uh, the Trump fandom. I mean, yeah. there's, there's people who think that like Trump was a sellout on COVID. Um, uh, and mm-hmm. so though back, uh, RFK. Um,
2: I actually talked to two big kind of uh, mocker Democrats. um, and I said, you know what are the odds that uh Biden like, no we're screwed on this
0: he's 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 uh, w- it's too late it's
2: almost too late um but it's not too late if he if he backs out um this is the thing about Vivek I can't believe yeah, no really, one really, talked really about should. this, and you said um he's a nuanced smart guy, and you look he has like very different views from like three years ago. Mm-hmm. he said things that are kind of you know uh n- not as trumpy i guess mm-hmm. in when you're expressing fealty to Trump, you do it in this way. You don't do it say, I want to be the next Donald Trump. You periodically says that that Donald Trump was the greatest thing that ever happened to America kind of thing. This <laughs> is the quote where at the beginning, out of nowhere, he try he goes after Ronald McDaniel. R- R- Ron Romney, yeah. yeah. Ronald McDaniel is sitting in the front row, and this is what he says. Tell me what's curious about this sentence. Since Ronald McDaniel took over as chairman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost in 2018. 2020, 2022, the red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. Who's missing from that equation? The president of the fucking United States, <laughs> Donald Trump, yeah. who took over the party, and yeah. he blames that on Ronna oh, McDaniel. Again. It's like no, a, you yeah. just you just enumerated why Donald Trump is bad for the Republican brand and the Republican yeah. party, and you're blaming it on this woman that no one's ever heard of. That's I know that she is instrumental in a lot of those races. Mm-hmm. It's not her fault. Yeah. She's
0: and she's an absolute vessel for Trump, and she is, yeah. and and like classic Trump. Like I'm going to literally nominate Mitt Romney's niece. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have her change her name. It's <laughs> awesome. And then merge. <laughs> so funny. People that still don't haven't wrapped their heads around the you know, the the major parties' national committees are supposed to be at least somewhat uh, separate entities than the reelection campaign they literally merged those in 2020 it had never been done before yeah they became one and the same um and so yeah to to treat her as some kind of uh, you know independent contractor separate from trump now it's just a way to criticize trump without criticizing trump
2: It, it was it
0: was amazing
2: yeah yeah i mean that's that's also true yeah um, I know you got to go. So.
0: I got to go, yeah, but you guys are. should keep rolling.
2: Um, do you want to do a few more minutes?
0: Yeah, we can go, keep going.
1: Yeah, yeah. Man, I got.
2: I just. I just have to be in the West Village by one. So. Yeah, you guys are good. So.
1: Yeah, would have been would have been a little longer if we'd recorded yesterday. But as we explained, we had urgent, business. urgent,
2: we urgent to comedy business care of. Yeah, We're and by the way, we saw we, we, <laughs> we saw Kevin Hart in front of a hundred people, and you didn't. <laughs> um, so fuck you. Oh, damn. Well, no, they said they, 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 they. I saw it when he was on Conan with uh, my daughter was watching, and the whole. Joke is that he sold out 53,000 people.
1: And this the is, stadium. these yeah. are the reasons why, like, New York will always have a special place in my heart. Like, where else in the world do you have, like, two nights in a row, Conan O'Brien is doing something over? I saw band. Conan at the same night. You can go hang out with Coleman and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dispatch yeah. to watch the debate. Yeah. And, like, the following evening, you go over to the comedy cellar and on a random Thursday night, yeah, like, massive comedians just kind of show up and do sets for people. And what was the ticket at, what's the price for the ticket at the door? 15 for bucks. Like that? I mean, come on. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. <15 laughs> like it was months. hours and hours of content hours. And, and hours. it was brilliant and wonderful. Yeah. Only Matt, in New Matt York Reif. do you have an experience funny. like that. Matt, right. I York. didn't,
2: I don't, apparently he's some he's TikTok guy. He's yeah. big. He was, he was funny too. He's very handsome. That's yeah. the yeah, thing. He's a bit he's too handsome, bit too right. handsome. but we'll yeah, yeah train, that was fun. And we'll see you soon. We care about you. We care about you. We're going to keep going for a second. And I will say this, um, you, you can get out of here. <laughs> Bye, I'm not going to say this or to finish you. With you. <laughs> okay. Unplug you, his mic. Please leave. <laughs> Honestly, let's not talk until he leaves. Just keep walking. Okay, so the door to the left. All right. <laughs> can you close it behind you? <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, you're right. Actually, I was thinking about that today, of that the tax that one pays to live in the city is yes. the fact that I got on the train this morning and there was a guy sleeping on the floor. Yeah. Of the tra- On the floor. Like, yeah, on the yeah. it was just like not on the seats. They usually yeah. take up the seats and I was like, well, that's respectful. I can sit and just, yeah. My,
1: and the rat pandemic. Yeah. Like people the the homelessness. are screaming
2: like the taxes. It's yeah, all terrible. The, the
1: bizarre immigration situation. Yeah. Is completely we don't
2: live here. Yeah. That's really yeah. crazy. We don't live here for no reason. I mean, there's, it's like, it's a great city in so many ways. It sucks. Politically, in so many ways, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of benefits. So, yeah, that, that's that's true.
1: I've heard it described as uh, as the resource curse. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's sure. not natural resources there. It's something else. Yeah. kind of coming together of people in a particular place and all of the brilliant, wonderful cultural things that happen there, and the horrible, awful cultural things that happen there as well. For sure, it's, it's what's so odd about like the, the in the recent years um, in this era of reactionary protests. And reactionary is actually a word we should talk a little bit about if we have a little time here. Yeah, sure, I saw. Um, a spat, a Twitter spat between Ricky, who was just on the podcast, Ricky yes. Schlott, who uh, co-authored um, the the book with Re- with uh, Greg uh, Lukianoff and uh, Chris Rufo, who's previously been on the podcast and with whom I have uh, apparently a blood feud of some. Yeah, sort. you
2: guys are. Yeah, um, yeah,
1: although only yeah. I'm involved in it now because he won't he won't talk to me. And even though we might yeah. be in the same uh, county, zip code, building in a couple of days. Uh, I don't think we'll have a conversation there either, despite the fact that I'm very, very willing. Um, I don't. But I, I saw a beef between the two of them about uh, something related to fire, and for whatever reason, like Rufo has been assailing fire at, like every opportunity yeah. to suggest that they are somehow like, bad for the country in a fundamental way. Well, what he means is bad for his for cause. <laughs>
2: cause. a free advocating for free speech is 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 cause neutral. And he's like,
1: you're not doing it for the cause. Yeah. In What for, is Fire's response to fixing the university? Well, that's not that's actually Fire's no, job. No, that's not their remit. Civil Liberties organization. Yeah, they, yeah. They,
2: what is the response <laughs> of fucking McDonald's to fixing the university? It's like, <laughs> well, there's one on campus. i like, I don't know. That's about as close as you get. No, their job is not to fix the university. It is to defend people within the university environment. And they can, by the way, they do a very good job of fixing the university um, by you know, creating these rankings every year. Mm-hmm. And, and, and by the way,
1: what's the university's response? to, to. They, not, res- they get yes. bad rankings. They call fire and say, what the hell is going on? Yes. And they that say, well, happens. why don't you change? They don't them? call Chris Rufo and say, yeah. Hey, Chris, what can we do to get on your yeah. good side? Yeah. yeah. No, they're yeah. having conversations with Greg. Yeah. They have people like me and you yeah. show up on campus sure. to have conversations yes. with the kids and the faculties to debate the merits of various issues. Correct. In these particular halls. Sure. And from the outside, like he's, throwing bombs and where possible occasionally taking over a university and doing yeah. things that are fundamentally and I don't mean this as some sort of categorical denunciation but technical a technical distinction designation illiberal yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't talk about this here i, I have a lot of people so.
2: who like this podcast like you um and say well and I, you know what i'll be honest i don't think i don't think they're wrong about this is that Chris Rufo periodically like ferrets out interesting information. Sure, Um, we had a friend who really doesn't like him, who said that his book was good Mm -hmm. um, because it it wasn't like the uh, history of ideas. Yeah, it wasn't bomb throwing, and they said it was really good. And I am absolutely willing to believe that, and I have no animosity towards Chris at all. I just, you know, if he doesn't talk to you and you guys don't debate these things, I just like the old school partisan review you know letters page where people would argue with each other and be like no this guy's and you know they're, they're, they're kind of on the same side you know nom- I don't know if we are with him but having that debate is important because uh-huh. what this is the moment particularly the israel stuff this is the moment when you when you get to figure out and you get it it, it shows itself quite obviously whether people be- believe in the principle or the cause right and these are different things yeah he believes in a cause that's fine but don't pretend you believe in the principle because the free speech stuff is like, are you going to be there, Chris Rufo, if a school board is taken over by somebody and instead of having the 1619 project, they have, um, you know, a Glenn Beck kind of book about American history. Is that okay for you? Well, yes. Cause you agree with it. I mean, generally agree with it. I, would I generally agree with it? Probably not. But like, I'm more interested in the standards that one keeps in the balance that one has in that situation, because it's important to me, you know, people like Chris Rufo and look, let me, let me, let me retract that. I don't know what Chris Rufo thinks about this, but people like this, because I've heard a lot of this have no trust in the individual and the entire entire point of Uh my existence is to trust the individual. That's why I don't like the state getting involved in individual decisions. Mm -hmm. I will always defer to the individual. There are times when that doesn't work. You know, in the, in the economics version, we call that a market failure, but there's times I did individual failure. It happens. Right. Uh-huh. But more often than not, I'm, I'm, I'm listing towards that. And if you give people two books that are kind of on the opposite side or have different conclusions about American history, about something, um, I trust the individual to read through those, yes. but their children, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Either you don't have children, or your children are dumb. That your children might be dumb. I'm gonna I'm gonna allow that your children might be really fucking stupid. Yeah. But when people write into this podcast, and we've got some, you know, angry responses to this, and some people that were like, Yeah, no, actually, I think that's right. Is that why do you Moynihan send your kid to a very progressive school? Is because I have an enormous amount of trust in my daughter, Mm -hmm. and she reads things, and I've told you some of the things she said. She's surrounded always by this very particular way of viewing the world. And she is hilariously reactionary about it. (laughs) And she's like, what? That's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. You know, like she was had an assignment about like, what does it mean to be an American? I've never talked to her about this. And her response was hilarious and exactly what I feel. And I don't think her teacher appreciated that, but she was not introduced to those concepts, but she has a pretty active brain. People who want to control the curriculum of their school in one direction, one kind of, you have no trust in your children. I mean, I trust that my daughter can read, uh, you know, when she's a little older, Howard Zinn Mm -hmm. or, you know, the children's version of Ibram X. Kennedy's book, which is, they're all the children's version, I think. They're written (laughs) like a children's version. And I, I can imagine my daughter would come to me and talk to me about it. And I'd be like, well, I think that's bullshit and here's why. Yeah. And we would have a nice conversation. That's the conversation. People believe that they, kids go to universities and they come back for Thanksgiving the first time and they have blue hair and, and yeah. you know, studs in their nose yeah. and tattoos. And they talk about wanting to overthrow capitalism. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Yeah, but that if, that ha- happens, happens if that happens
1: sometimes. Yeah. That happens.
2: It's on your kid. And it's on you as a parent because I don't know what you're teaching them that they'd be so susceptible to some yeah. half-wit academic.
1: Yeah, the, the, the presumption appears to be that there can only ever be competing fiefdoms of kind of ideological Correct. homogeneity. Yeah. Like those, that's the goal. Like either you know you leave things as they are, any sort of classical yeah. liberal norms will ultimately lead yeah. to left wing domination, the long yeah. march through the campuses and institutions, etc. Yeah. Or like we have, to, Groucho, we have to have yeah. to counter yeah. yeah. propagandize Yes, that and, seems to be the and the assertion. That we could actually pursue like pluralism, that there might actually be an interest in having not uh, ideological conformity be the standard for American education um, of, of whatever vintage, but an actual determination to try to cultivate critical thinking. Like sober analysis of complicated issues, yeah, yeah. like actually reading source material from a bunch of different contexts. I keep having people ask stupid questions, like why Why should it be illegal to talk about you know creationism in school? I'm saying you know there's the Establishment Clause in the Constitution, so that's part of the yeah. problem. But in truth, like you can talk about creationism, in school. and and and, 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 by and way, you should, and, and, you and, should. And, and you should. I mean, are you kidding me? I know like by the me, pantheon of like Greek perspectives yes. on. Uh, And Roman perspectives on the origin of history. I I know all about Egyptian gods because I learned about that in public school. And they're not true. (laughs) It's actually important and valuable information (laughs) to have so that you can understand the broad uh, spectrum of literature that you're going to be exposed to. And in much the same way, one actually needs to understand unifying scientific concepts like evolution, for example. You don't actually need that. You don't need a grounding in the the biblical uh, representation of what happened in creation, although you should be exposed to it and you will be. Um, but you don't need that in order to understand like the technical aspects of biochemistry and and all sorts of other important topics I, the, in the same way that you need I, I, and I an think understanding that evolution. Kind of evolution. That's the
2: problem. The, uh, and again, I don't want to attribute this to him, but I, it's like kind of people in his universe. I don't understand the difference between... Teaching about and proselytizing for
1: yes, right. I mean, if someone they, they, they won't they won't they won't accept the distinction creationism. And it's like but no, yeah. no.
2: There are people who believe this. Uh huh. There are lots of them. This is what they believe is not a harmful thing to do ever. Right. You know, I don't want to teach people about the concepts of Nazism because perhaps they'll think they're true. This is something that has infected the brains of so many people. So why is it? And in, in, in look, this, this is the same debate that one has about quote-unquote teaching creationism in school, whatever it might be. I'm not teaching about, but they p- pretend that it's proselytizing and I'm teaching about these things. In saying that Alex Jones cannot be on YouTube. Why? Because it's radicalizing our kids. Yeah. Why are you not paying attention to your kids? Why are you allowing your children to sit on a computer for... 20 hours a day and be radicalized. You're not counter-programming them at the dinner table. I learned, you know, I have so many friends. I didn't have this myself. I learned my stuff on my own. Mm -hmm. But I grew up with a lot of people who had full political debates at the dinner table pretty much every night. Or they would talk about what was going on in the news every night. The thing that you cannot be exposed to bad ideas because you might not... Um, be able to deflect those bad ideas with good ideas mm-hmm. is going to always be a, a, a truism. It's always yeah. going to be true in, yeah, in yeah. life. You're always going to come across, across ideas at some point that might be alluring, they might be sort of semi convincing, that you don't have an immediate access to the refutation. Mm-hmm. So, what does that do? Well, just keep it from them.
1: Yeah. That's not it's, the that's way it is. That's not how you combat bad ideas. Because if you. If, it doesn't if, work, it's not durable. It fucking. TikTok sucks. Yeah. Instagram
2: sucks. The internet sucks. YouTube sucks, whatever. They also have amazing, amazing things about them. If you go back in human history and you don't believe that bad ideas existed before mm-hmm. and they existed in very large numbers but just spread in different ways, mm-hmm. the human brain has an incredible capacity to believe things that are not true because they want them to be true. This mm-hmm. is uh, this is true about religion. This is true about politics. true about most everything. So we, after the attacks on October 7th, Uh, You know, people should have set their clocks and said, I wonder how long it's going to be until, and someone told me the other day that Mm. there's a certain uh, kind of universe of left-wing podcasts, like very hard left podcasts, who are basically all saying, well, you know, most of those people were killed by the IDF in response they amazing. were like amazing
1: how, like, how many of these weird narratives there are either it didn't so really many. happen or it was actually the Jews or yeah. Hamas did it but it wasn't as bad as, you it wasn't say, bad as you say or Hamas did it and aren't they heroic Yeah, like they had yeah, to do yeah, this yeah. what else could you expect they live in an open I, air meant prison, I tripped et cetera, et cetera. I beheaded
2: by mistake yeah. I fell in the behead- well, they, there were no yeah. beheadings I
1: mean that's the most important thing there were no yeah, beheadings yeah, whatsoever yeah. how yeah. could you think there were beheadings these are not the, the fundamental issues in my opinion.
2: and they don't I mean look <laughs> it, 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 initially I think Joe Jonah Goldberg had a column soon after, maybe two days after in the Los Angeles Times, he's written a column for them for a long time. Mm. And it said something about um, the raping mm-hmm. and they issued a correction. Mm-hmm. We have no evidence of this because, you know, it's totally unbelievable this would happen. And I think there was some evidence at the point, but mm-hmm. a couple of days ago, Haaretz, the left-wing Israeli newspaper, published some of the most harrowing accounts of mass, of, of, of like gang rapes of people in front of, of other people. Mm. And then the person who was gang raped was then shot in the head. Good God. Um, I think shot, was killed immediately after. Uh-huh. Um, and it's like one of those things that you're like almost, that's almost like a merciful fate after, after what happened. Um, but that idea has been like, well, there's no rapes. There is no uh, beheadings because somebody at some point added a number 40 or something to, to the bay that it never happened where there's a video of somebody trying to behead a tie. Worker uh, with a garden tool. And you can see this, it's out there. You can actually yeah. find this one. It was on a Telegram channel. So it is this like the desperation, like, what do we do in response to this? Well, we say, we, we tell the truth. The Israelis are allowing journalists and people to watch some of this footage so they understand what they're dealing with. And of course, now, as we said earlier, that's called propaganda. Um, and in the, you know, by the way, propaganda as its earliest usage, was not a pejorative term. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, 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 The Joseph Goebbels ministry was literally called the ministry of propaganda and enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And that was not like we're bad. It was, (laughs) that was a positive term, but that counter programming, like we don't need government, Biden administration, uh, Trump administration would never do this. Uh, disinformation experts, university disinformation, to go out there and like, I'm going to create a paper. Right. It's like,
1: I know right. how this happens. Yeah, the objection to that stuff is on free speech grounds. Yes. <laughs> this, is, this is why we're concerned about that. Yeah, I don't want this stuff <sighs> to go away. It, it also, um, and, and maybe I this the last thing, fought, I'll by. say about before we run out perhaps, yeah. is yeah. that you know, in the 1920s, the concern about um, this, this fight between evolution and creation was yeah. primarily people who were pushing for bills to do things like outlaw the teaching of evolution in schools. Yeah. Like, this is the origin of this kind of behavior. We have to keep this dangerous, insidious idea from being taught to children because it undermines our religious traditions. Correct. This is—it was foul then. It is foul now. It is not the appropriate approach to take if you hope to win the future— in this philosophical battle of ideas. And that battle of ideas is, in fact, taking place, whether or not you want to actually take part in it. And I will tell you that if your position is, well, we'll just stop people from talking about this. We'll quote, wind down activist pseudo-disciplines, how do you go about doing that, you, as Chris it, Chris Rufo uh, uh, asserts he would like to do? And I'll, I'll say it's kind of like saying, like you know, from the river to the sea. It's like where do the Jews go? It's like, <laughs> where, like if you into get rid the of the sea, obviously. Yeah, well, obviously, it's
2: like well, okay, so we're or oh, the river is also fine. We're going to get rid of all these of the people. Water. Like where? Like all these academics are just going to disappear because they said so. Oh. Uh, and by the way, I just wanted to mention this. I haven't read it, so you might know something about this. This is why I'm bringing it up. But I remembered it. A guy named Dennis Sewell, who's an academic wrote a piece that I remember seeing, but never read uh, at that place, Unheard. Mm-hmm. And the 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 headline on the peach, and people go read this and tell me if it's any good. I mean, I'll probably read it on the subway after this. Um, this is the headline. The Scopes Monkey Trial was about racism, not God.
1: I have not read this. And so, no. I mean, this is
2: on Unheard, not a place that a lot of crazy things, but I think that there was um, a, some kind of eugenics thing that he, he says. Huh. It, I, I don't know. I haven't, uh, I haven't read that, but, uh, but it should be interesting to, to read and, and talk about in the future. But yeah, maybe we'll roll.
1: All right. Well, it's been fun. It's short. We know we'll be back very soon an hour with some exciting, exciting stuff. You pay for this. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, a freebie. That's true. That's true. No, the apology rescinded. Um, yeah, you're, go, you're welcome. I, you know what you want? <laughs> yeah.
2: If you, if you want an apology, go over to, uh, we, the fifth. com and Give us your subscribe. Money. And then yeah. I'll apologize to you personally. <laughs> I'll send everybody an individual. Pod- if you sign up. Yeah. If you're a new if you're a new, new subscriber, subscriber, you pay for a year. A year after a month, I will send you a personal send apology. Them a note. Yeah, and I will. And I don't. You tell me what you want me to apologize for, <laughs> yeah. and I will record an individual apology of one minute to yeah. you, and it'll be personalized to you or your family. <laughs> one year subscription. Yeah, in
1: the next seven days, between November tenth yeah. and November seventeenth, your apology. But you can only make your re- request like after a month or so. We don't want any weird like thing where you get your thing, and you like disputing charges. On yeah, your yeah, record. yeah. Don't, don't play games with us.
2: Don't be playing games with don't Stripe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we need your money. Yeah, we need your money. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye. bye.
0: We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse. The Fifth Column.